0: Hey boys and girls, just wanted to take a minute to let you know that they have their definitive LawCast archive on YouTube for you guys to enjoy. Go to youtube.com backslash user backslash reviews or just search on YouTube to find the LawCast and all of our episodes past the last 20 or so are going to be there from now on. Get it? Got it? Enjoy.
1: hello everybody and welcome back to the law cast this week the march to wrestlemania continues as we cover wrestlemania 8 and Qush, i think the question on everyone's mind is is this
0: going to be your last podcast well you know something steve i uh i got so many other interests going on with you know the movies and the tv and all that stuff and you know, I while, while I hate to think of that this this might be my last podcast. You know, I uh, you know there's so many things in my life, so many things business wise and professional wise that have led me to this podcast. That I think maybe maybe this is my last podcast. Well, God, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan can suck a dick. I want to say
1: thank you, thank you for the memories, thank you for the inspiration, thank you for Hulkamania. Uh, if you don't know what we're referring to, <laughs> <laughs> because it's been lost to history, uh, this WrestleMania 8 was promoted as Hulk Hogan's retirement match.
0: Yeah. It, it's weird how they just, they just kind of skipped that over. Like, Hey, uh, let's just ignore the fact that Hulk Hogan completely promotes. This as his last match ever. Yeah.
1: It's like that time he was going to run for president of the United States.
0: I mean, I've been voting for him ever since.
1: (laughs) Um, So, God, where are we? It's 1992, and everything is fucked up. Um, The heat's coming down from the feds. Ric Flair's the WWF champion, and they decide not to run Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. And that is the grand mystery of this show. Why didn't they do Hogan versus Flair?
0: What say you, Kyush? Well... There's always been two lines of thought about this. The company line has always been, they tried it at the house shows and didn't work. They decided, fuck it, we're not doing this. Ric Flair wasn't himself. He had been having confidence issues ever since he came into the company, was having trouble working the WWE style. Vince wasn't a fan. And Hogan didn't want to do the job to him. Flair didn't want to do the job to Hogan. They just couldn't make the match work. That's the company line. To all of that, I say... Fuck you, make this match. Yeah, so here's what I'd say.
1: Okay, the initial Hogan Flair matches (laughs) do draw quite well. I think the first one was in Oakland. They did like 14,000 people, which wasn't a sellout, but by 1992, they weren't really selling out on a consistent basis. They did 15,000 at the Garden for it. This match is on YouTube if you want to look it up. It's an awesome match, um, but it's only 11 minutes long. Flair pins Hogan with a knuck shot, and then they overturn the decision, and Hogan wins by DQ. It's from November of 1991 at Madison Square Garden. Awesome match. Crowd's on fire. So, I yeah, I mean, I don't really buy into the idea that, you know, the matches weren't good. But, you know, the first round of half show matches drew really well. When they started to take it around the loop the second time, did not draw well third time even worse they kind of just burned the
0: match out which i think may have been the intention well here's the thing about this match too and when we look at this in a nutshell and we say well obviously they had to do hulk hogan versus rick flair the problem is this is not hulk hogan versus rick flair rick flair in the nwa in the 80s was absolutely amazing top heel maybe of all time hulk hogan in the wwe during the 80s probably top babyface of all time It may seem like a match made in heaven, but the point is Hulk Hogan in 1992 already wasn't drawing with anybody else either. Hulk Hogan is so stale by this point that people are actively beginning to turn on him. And he shrunk dramatically. This steroids thing is going to drive him into hiatus almost immediately after this show for a while. And Ric Flair And we've made this point before. While Ric Flair is a huge name to Southern wrestling fans and to Smarks, WWE fans probably did not have any idea who the fuck he was when he came in, and he hadn't been been built amazingly well to this point.
1: So it's cool when he shows up with the NWA title belt, but quickly the lawsuit hits and they can't use the belt. So then he's carrying around a tag team title. And they're blurring it out on tv and gorilla monsoon's bearing the belt and saying it's a mickey mouse title so this... quickly suck the real world champion gimmick out of it
0: this is not like the dream matches later when it's like steve austin and goldberg where everyone who's a wrestling fan in the united states is equally aware of both of these people hulk hogan is a much bigger star than rick flair that is just simply a fact Ric Flair does not have a huge following in the northern part of the country or in the western part of the country, really just in the southeast. That's not to say he isn't an absolute god and a legend there, because he is. But the point I'm trying to make is it's not as much of a layup to put these two together in an ultimate dream match and have it draw 90,000 people as people say that it is. It's not just because it's a dream match doesn't mean it's a draw.
1: Yeah, and so I think the real explanation is just Vince thought Hogan versus Sid was a bigger attraction. <laughs> and I'm going to break the hot take scale and say I don't think that's entirely wrong.
0: I think it's completely right.
1: Yeah. I mean, not that this show does gangbusters business, but Sid's hot. And Hogan against a monster is a reliable draw.
0: Now, we'll get into why that match doesn't work either. Yeah. And why that storyline is fucked from the start. I but should- I... I think that was the match.
1: I should also bring up the, um, the rumor and innuendo that uh, Sid was promised the main event of WrestleMania against Hogan. Um, that's been sort of a you know common wrestling urban legend that that's how Vince got him to sign. I just don't think Vince makes promises like that. This is a time where they're not even doing guaranteed <sighs> contracts.
0: No, he may have given him the impression that hey, this is where you could go. This is where a lot of our bigger mon- monsters do as they main event WrestleMania is against Hulk Hogan. But no, I guarantee you that he was not guaranteed that.
1: Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, when we as we covered with SummerSlam 1991, he's immediately brought in referees that main event and is positioned as Hogan's friend. And I think we all know when Hulk Hogan has a friend, that friend is going to turn on him eventually.
0: And, you know, originally when Hulk Hogan would get a friend, they'd be friends for like a full year. Then the seeds would start to be planted. Then they'd turn on them in like the following WrestleMania they'd feud. But by this time, this thing turns around in like three months. Nope. It's Sheik Sid. <laughs> oh, my God. Sheik Sid. <laughs> That's the dream.
1: Um, yeah. So... Vince, decide, Vince just decided he wanted to run Hogan and Sid is pretty much the answer. Um, so we kind of covered the convoluted path they took to this show. Undertaker beats Hogan for the WBF title. It's Survivor Series. Hogan gets a rematch. He wins the title back, but he, he cheats to win. Throws ashes in Taker's eyes and rolls him up. So he's stripped of the title. It's held up. New champion determined at the Royal Rumble. Rick Ric Flair goes 60 minutes to win the title and comes into the show as the WWF champion. What do you think of all that?
0: The Undertaker thing felt really weird. Did we cover kind of at that time, like why exactly they had to throw it on him all of a sudden?
1: I think they just needed it was okay. So they were going to do that Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view their theory for how they could draw so big was we're going to have Hogan drop the title and be challenging to win the title back, you know, a week later and that'll draw a big number. And it turned out it didn't, but I yeah. think that, I think it was just a hot shot title change to try to pop that Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, that was kind of super weird, but I, I really love what it leads into with the Royal Rumble and, and Sid and Hogan kind of feuding and not being friends anymore and allowing Flair to win the title. And it leads into this really, really cool press conference where Jack Tunney lines up all of the potential number one contenders who have a reason to have a shot yes. at the belt. This was like Hogan, Sid, Flair, and Piper yeah. all sitting next to who each other. and also the final he, four
1: guys in the Rumble.
0: Yes, and he announces who the number one contender is going to be. Now, that's kind of weird, because I would kind of prefer that there was some reason to determine which one it would be, but Jack Tony just pulls a name out of a fucking hat because he's Jack Tony.
1: Yeah, so they announce Hogan's getting the title shot. Sid is, of course, furious about this. Um, But... On the main event, Hogan and Sid team up against Flair and Undertaker. Sid cuts a promo before the match, kind of disingenuously talking about how much he respects Hulk Hogan, and he wishes him the best of luck against Ric Flair at WrestleMania. And then he turns on Hogan, walks out of the match, and then he starts killing jobbers, puts Hogan shirts on their prone bodies, and then he crosses the line and he beats up Brutus Beefcake.
0: That's the thing. And this is fresh off of his face surgery, Brutus Beefcake, or is that not yet? Because they're uh, talking no, that about happened. That was the year before this. Yeah, because so <coughs> yeah, they're talking about how that. fragile his face is. That yeah. He could have shattered his face. Which is actually
1: true. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't wearing his protective mask.
0: Now, let me also point something out here, is that we are unabashed Sid Marks on this podcast. We love us some Sid. And if there is a Hall of Fame for killing jobbers, Sid is the first inductee because the way he that he's killing jobbers guys. on his way to top. he's doing the kind of choke slams that you wish in your dreams that Kane could do. Oh. Just like casually lifting people up and spiking them on their necks, like power bombing people into oblivion, beating people with lariats. Like this is some wild shit, and it looks amazing.
1: Yeah, Th- these are the kind of beatdowns where these guys are getting a little extra money at the end of the night because they took such an ass whipping.
0: Say it look like, like you could put these exact job matches on today and get someone over as a monster. Like it's that yeah. good. Yeah, it's the,
1: the we call it the Braun Strowman push, but it's just a reconstituted version of the said push.
0: Exactly. And it never fails. That exact push works every time.
1: So, Hogan gives up his title shot to instead wrestle Sid. This feels like something John Cena would do. Yes, it does. Noble stupidity. Except John Cena doesn't have a friend. Didn't he do this? Yes, with Ryback. Yes. With Ryback. He did this exact thing. Yes. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, man um so this causes the number one contender spot to lapse to randy savage um also on that main event show randy savage beat jake roberts in a kind of not notable five minute match to blow off their super hot feud we haven't gotten to cover this but i can't wait until we do this is the feud where jake ties savage up in the ropes lets his cobra chew the hell out of his arm this is the feud where jake slaps elizabeth where he cuts some unbelievable promos just the height of evil heel jake roberts
0: which is kind of a shame because like by this point he's already done so like that's the last great thing he really does in this company
1: yeah, no, you, you didn't like the Coal Miner's Glove match against Sting at Halloween Havoc.
0: You know I love that match. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was a great episode of the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, that clearly seemed like it was heading for a WrestleMania match, and you're thinking maybe it's going to be a retirement match because, you know, the Savage had lost the retirement match to Warrior the previous year. He wins and beats Jake and gets his redemption, and Jake is retired, but... They end up not going that way. I. It feels like maybe there was an audible there. It feels like this
0: entire show was an audible, honestly.
1: Yeah, but I feel like it was always going to be Sid against Hogan. I don't. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> I think the audible may have been they decided like Undertaker's getting over as a face. Let's turn him face and have him wrestle Jake. Right. Um. So. Uh, As far as other things going on at this time, um, in the background, we're a few months from the first and only World Bodybuilding Federation pay-per-view, because when you're facing a massive steroid scandal, the best move is to start a bodybuilding company.
0: This is as good an opportunity as any to remind you guys that I bought that. (laughs) You bought the World Bodybuilding Federation pay-per-view? I'm ninety five percent sure that as a kid I watched that on pay per view. <sighs> I might be misremembering, and I watched it on cassette. But I don't even think that that made it to VHS, did it?
1: I bet there's ten thousand copies of this in Vince's basement.
0: But like, I'm ninety percent. Like, I saw it. I I have seen this thing as a kid. I think so it did I like to assume guys that- or something like that. I think that just like with December to Dismember, I was one of the very few people to buy that show. Yeah, um, the
1: the I mean the idea. This is just one of those. Vince is a mark for bodybuilding. He wanted to try to. We're gonna do it. It's gonna be, quote unquote, legitimate, but we're gonna have kind of storylines and faces and heels and just the, the kind of stuff that doesn't work. Whenever I see. People try to make real sports like pro wrestling, it
0: flops. Understand that what bodybuilding really is is just a series of people coming out on stage and posing in various ways to show off the, their particular definition in certain muscular areas. It is not an athletic competition per se, it's a beauty pageant. And so for them to be dressing up like vampires in the Phantom of the Opera and shit and having pretend feuds, in what way does that make sense? <laughs>
1: yeah um so they brought in lex luger to do commentary for this uh, uh he's under a he's under contract but they're not having him wrestle at this point he's just there to do the bodybuilding sure. i i think it. i think the plan was probably some synergy that he was both going to do the bodybuilding and wrestle which i could see working it's like a really shit version of brock lesnar in the ufc
0: well, also, and this has always been sort of like the subtext of this, is that if he's officially an employee yes. of the World Bodybuilding Federation and he gets busted for steroids, well, he's not a wrestler, then, is he?
1: Also like Brock Lesnar in the UFC. Yep. <laughs> and on another note, Hogan had shrunk a lot on this show. But well, he should a,
0: so much skinnier. Reminds
1: me of a certain tattooed Samoan who's a main eventer at WrestleMania this year. Yeah, I, I have no idea who you're talking to. Yeah,
0: looking <laughs> awfully skinny these days. Yeah, he actually is. It's definitely true. Hulk <laughs> Hogan looks like a person who's like, it's like you vacuum sealed him. Like he's he looks like he's wearing like a very tan like copy of his body on top. Like he's wearing like a giant Gonzalez muscle suit.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is just a shadow of his former self. It's um, gross. Because they're drug testing, and I think he might actually be off the juice. And not everybody is, but if if you've been
0: on the juice for 15 years and you come off, your body's not going to be right.
1: Yeah. So, obviously, the steroid scandal is ongoing. (coughs) Um, They're drug testing. Uh, You know, Savage is wrestling in a t-shirt and pants now because he is presumably complying with the policy you know rick flair's you know not a steroid guy never a body guy uh sid still looks gigantic and amazing because he just refused to take the drug tests which uh,
0: there's just something that tickles me about that i know it's hypocritical and bullshit of Sid to be able to say that but just the balls on the guy to be like oh you guys are under steroid investigation with congress and they're trying to shut you down yeah well guess what fuck your steroid test I take steroids when I feel like it
1: I don't give a damn about
0: your steroid tests cause I right. rule the world he literally rules the world you do not have jurisdiction with Sid he is well, the ruler of the world of course and warrior just took the tests and failed them. yeah Because he's from Parts Unknown.
1: You have no jurisdiction over Parts Unknown.
0: Like, it's one thing to, like, not take them or to try to hide it like they did with Luger. But for Warriors to be like, yeah, I'm on roids. Yeah, I'll take your test. Sure. (laughs) What? I failed.
1: Hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Hogan's done the Arsenio Hall appearance where he tries to play the fake news card and say this is all media distortion. And he claims that he only used steroids three times with a doctor's prescription to be treated for injuries. This has already been exposed as a massive lie by this point. Yep. That was a very unwise appearance.
0: Would it have Um, been better just to get in front of this? Yeah. So here's the thing.
1: Possession of steroids didn't become illegal at the federal level until 1990. It was legal in the 80s. I don't know about every state's laws, but... It's not until 1990 that it becomes, you know, a federal crime to possess or traffic steroids. So, but back when if they're using
0: them in the 80s, it was legal. But it's a kill Hogan publicly for him to come out and be like, "I took steroids. We kind of all take steroids. It wasn't illegal. We just we did it because we're showmen and we want to look as best as we can." I'm sorry if I disappointed anybody, but you know we're all getting off of the now it's a new era both for the country and for the wwe we're gonna do blah 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 does that kill him no it's it's always the best move
1: to tell the truth and ask for forgiveness because people will give it if they're asked for it what really makes people mad is when you lie
0: yeah especially since hogan was visibly getting off the steroids so would have been like all right well he's telling the truth whatever it's fine
1: yeah Um, There's an amazing incident in February where they have a house show in St. Louis, and when the wrestlers get to the arena, the St. Louis Police Department is waiting to search the entire roster for drugs. Luckily, uh, like Blackjack Lanza or somebody had gotten to the arena first, seen the heat, and called back to the hotel to warn everybody to leave their stuff back at the hotel.
0: How many people would Have gone to jail the whole oh roster.
1: God, um, I heard when they did the first round of tests, like half the roster failed, and this was with a lot of advance notice that they were going to start
0: testing. I mean, it wouldn't have just been steroids either. Like, Flair probably had We'd some cocoa go- on him, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah
1: um that would be, i mean it's just that, that this is the atmosphere though that like police departments are just like yeah fuck the wrestlers let's jack them up
2: yeah
0: yeah we don't want wrestling in this town and it's that's an underrated part of why wrestling goes into these doldrums for so many years but just like the public perception of wrestling as a thing just turns so heavily to negative here
1: yeah and they get another black eye when Barry Orton, who is Randy Orton's uncle, uh, claims that Pat Patterson had tried to extort sex from him in exchange for a push. Um, this and other accusations end up forcing Patterson to leave the company for a while. Um, Terry Garvin also <coughs> left the company and is never welcomed back. Um, I got to say, like, I, I, I mean, the, the, the total weight of these accusations strike me as fairly credible.
0: Yeah. I mean, not, not necessarily all of them seem particularly credible, but, and the idea that Pat Patterson was promising pushes in exchange for sex is the kind of thing that they've always kind of suggested about higher up people, and that doesn't necessarily always happen. But clearly, some sexual harassment stuff at the very least was going on at the higher levels of WWE.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't think anybody dismisses the idea that this has happened with female talent.
0: Oh God, no, no, like no, this no. Probably It absolutely did. A while did. happened with every single
1: female talent.
0: Sean Laurinaitis. Oh, I'm sorry. How did that come out? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and one more: Vince is accused of rape by Rita Chatterton, who was the one and only female referee for the company in the 1980s.
0: And this just kind of es- yep. escapes the this public just went party, away, Vince McMahon. Um, just like
1: that tanning salon incident, just kind of went away.
0: Vince has, gosh, I, I I hesitate to slander anybody on the air, but uh, Vince has for sure raped somebody. So just something Ooh. to remember about his legacy.
1: It's amazing they couldn't put Vince McMahon in prison, isn't
0: it? I mean, he's literally, like, dodging, like, from one thing to the other. Like, oh, there's some rape over here. Oh, all you wrestlers are on drugs. Oh, steroids are illegal, and we know you're doing them. Like, whoa.
1: When... Yeah, when they announced the charges against him, I feel like everyone's re- reaction was, "Wait, that's it? That's all you've got on him?" Well, that's seriously
0: the, thing. the funny thing about all of this is that they really needed somebody within the company to flip on Vince, which is how it usually works. Unfortunately, there were only probably four or five people in the world who could have credibly flipped on Vince, and funnily enough, one of them's probably Bruce Pritchard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Pritchard, Patterson, um, I mean, was yeah, it was JJ not a big there? inner circle back yeah. then. Um, no, nah, I don't think JJ's there quite yet.
0: Yeah. But, like, Vince kept all the other people in his company at arm's length from his personal life and, like, his dealings along those lines. So if a person member of the McMahon family or Pat or Bruce don't flip on him, I genuinely don't know who could have. So they they just didn't have enough information.
1: Yeah. I mean, just on the whole, it's just one thing. I mean, one thing after another, they're just getting destroyed. I mean, this is, you're getting mainstream press attention on pro wrestling. You know, Geraldo Rivera's tabloid show is running episodes, you know, Donahue um, there's a surreal Larry King um, episode where he interviews, he has like a debate between Bruno Sammartino and Vince McMahon. And like, Vince completely outworks Bruno because Vince is a much better promo, but it's just Vince being slippery is possible about all this.
0: And it's just, it has been proven time and time again that wrestling companies can weather basically any controversy that comes along as long as they're hot. But this is a stale, stale company. They have no momentum. Business is going in the toilet and all this controversy is piling up. So it's very easy to see how the company could easily have folded in the next couple of years
1: yeah so as they're looking for the spark they decide to pull a stunt and start promoting uh this is hogan's retirement match uh on the march to wrestlemania special the week before wrestlemania they do what i think is actually a very good like sit down interview with vincent hogan where hogan's out of character he's really being kind of terry Bollea rather than hulk Hogan, and <laughs> being very soft-spoken about, you know, reflecting on his career. And I thought this was great. And I think this is a presentation they should have done more of.
0: I mean, I agree with you that this, this was kind of great. And it was kind of a work shoot in an era where that absolutely was not happening whatsoever in any way. My only problem with it is that they basically entirely bury the actual match. Like having this be like Hogan's retirement match and that just being kind of forced on the way to WrestleMania is one thing, but like in it, in the interview, Hogan is just kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, Sid, whatever, because this is Terry Bollea and Terry Bollea knows that's a fake wrestling match and who cares, but and it just, Oh, it comes off as so it doesn't matter what happens in this match because it's my last match. And it just buries Sid.
1: Yeah. Whereas he should be worrying about how is he going to survive in the ring? (laughs) against
0: this animal sid justice right if this is going to be a retirement thing they could have made it a retirement thing but that's not what happens and if he's going to leave and go on hiatus after that and he knows that he does why doesn't he lose this match
1: because hulkster doesn't do jobs brother hulk's got a pose <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the show ends up doing pretty mediocre business. <coughs> they draw 60,000 people, but it's about 48,000 paid. They gave away tons and tons of tickets to make the crowd. Make, yeah, I mean, they basically fill the dome, but it's with 15,000 comps. Uh, the gate is only a bit over a million dollars, which is really tiny for a show with 60,000 people there. Yep. Um They do a 2.3 buy rate, 390,000 buys. That's basically, that's only down 10,000 buys from the year before. But that buy number the year before was considered a disaster at the time.
0: Yeah. And they're promoting this as Hogan's retirement match. And they think Sid's the huge star. And like all of their stars are loaded onto this show in big matches and it does not draw.
1: Yeah. Um, winter has arrived by 1992
0: despite
1: I think this is a great year creatively but the business just isn't there exactly it's an interesting paradox that they despite having more talent on their roster than they had had throughout the 80s they're just not drawing um you know kind of kind of similar to the situation they found themselves in in like 2002 2003 when they had More stars than they could possibly imagine, but somehow they couldn't, you know, hit the business they had been doing the couple years before.
0: And similar to that time, eventually you have to come to a period where like your old stars are done and you got to push the new guys, and business is going to suffer while you do that. Yeah. I mean, that's just naturally going to happen. It's not an easy transition, it never is. No,
1: 1993, 1994, 1995 are really rough years,
0: but eventually. That will all lead to the most magical three-year period in wrestling history.
1: Exactly. It was either that or the company was going to go out of business entire life. Yeah. Hit or so miss. Getting to the show, it's Sunday, <laughs> April 5th, 1992. A matinee at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, Indiana. The only time that Indianapolis would host WrestleMania. Why do you think they've never gone back there?
0: Because Indianapolis is a fucking dump. <laughs> I mean, the thing is,
1: Indianapolis hosts the Final Four, like, every three years.
0: Yeah, but it's a basketball town. Like, it's Indianapolis and Indiana, especially, have always been basketball places. Here's the thing, is they want to, especially now, you could never run it now because WrestleMania is so big, and it would just be, it's not a tourist destination, and that's a consideration these days. But even in the 90s, it's just like, this is not a great venue. It doesn't look amazing. I mean it it draws well but it doesn't draw amazingly well. It's just it's not a hotbed for wrestling and it doesn't easily draw from other hotbeds around like say a Detroit does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On commentary, we've got Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan at the absolute peak of their powers. I thought they were amazing.
0: <laughs> they were amazing. I will say <coughs> right off the top that this show may have more racist comments from the commentary team per capita <laughs> than any other wrestling show that has ever existed to the point where like i kind of just started looking at the screen like bobby no no man
1: he could be super racist
0: the comments he starts coming out with about liz at a certain point are just like dude dude come on come on <laughs>
1: In but, the dark match, uh, the Bushwhackers defeated the Beverly Brothers in 10 minutes. Shame we didn't get to see that. <laughs> yeah, w- Were you going to say something before I rudely interrupted you?
0: Oh, no, 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 not at all. I was gonna, I was just going to compliment them and say that it was still great commentary. Don't get me wrong. It was just, you need to know that up front.
1: Yeah, I'll be referencing plenty of the lines um, yes. during the recap. Um, first, we have... Reba McIntyre out to perform the Star Spangled Banner, which is very strange because as we've commented on, it's usually America the Beautiful. No idea what the change was here. I
0: think that she, she pretty, uh, I, w- I want to say that she had done the Indianapolis 500 that same year. And I don't know if maybe that was why. And, and I think it was a, like kind of a pretty famous thing. I can be completely misremembering that. So if you do know that I'm misremembering that, please hit us up on Twitter and yell at me for lying about that. But I seem to remember that from my childhood. But yeah, her and her six feet of hair do a pretty good job at the Star Spangled Banner.
1: Heenan says, this is Tito Santana's sister, Ariba McIntyre.
0: That's pretty fucking good.
1: Opening match, Tito Santana against Shawn Michaels, a big star from the 80s (laughs) against the star of the 90s. It's a running theme we'll see on tonight's show. Uh, Shawn is a few months removed from throwing Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. Um, This was going to be Michaels versus Jannetty, but Marty had an unfortunate cop-punching incident that led to him getting fired.
0: Yeah, you know those cop punching incidents. We all go through them. Yeah.
1: Um, fun fact: Marty versus Sean was also supposed to happen at WrestleMania Nine, but Marty got fired again.
0: Huh. We would eventually get it on Monday Night Raw, and that thank was an God awesome we actually. Match. It yeah. was an awesome match. It just would have been more awesome at WrestleMania, Marty.
1: Yeah, but Marty Jannetty
0: was a fuck up. Yeah, he sure was. Um, but that that clears the way for this, which is not an awesome match, but not a horrible one.
1: No, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, my initial note: um, the setup. We got the awesome neon entrance way, which I've always loved. Yes, yeah, so good. Ol- sadly, the only time we would see that at a WrestleMania.
0: Um, I would. I've always wanted to have that be like my front door. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can tell they have not jammed the seats in on the floor. Um, You can also see empty seats when they pan wide. Not very many. And it's actually, I think it was just like a late arriving crowd because by the end of the first match, it's filled in.
0: Right. Um, It does feel a little weird and empty because, like in previous WrestleManias, maybe it's just the venues that they had, but like there's people pressed in so hard that like wrestlers are dodging hands on their way to the ring. Whereas here they have like a full runway to get there.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, th- they're just not packing them in here. Um, just not right. the same demand for tickets. Um, Tito's Tito goes through a bunch of headlocks. Gorilla says you'll never <laughs> beat anyone with that. Heenan claims that he won a few matches with it. And the incred- incredulity in Gorilla Monsoon's voice when he says you
0: is one of my favorite moments of the entire night
1: i love that bobby heenan actually was a wrestler but his character is that he wasn't
0: yes exactly like there's
1: never an acknowledgement that bobby heenan was an actual wrestler like jesse ventura was always acknowledged to have been a wrestler bobby heenan clearly was not
0: no he's the guy who gets his ass kicked in the ring that's his whole character yeah
1: um Sean finally gets the advantage, throwing Tito over the top to the floor. We get a backbreaker from Sean. Heenan says that Sherry's looking good tonight. Gorilla says he needs to see his oculist. Heenan replies that there's nothing wrong with his feet.
0: See, this is the kind of thing where, like, they have chemistry together like no commentators I've ever seen. Yeah. Where, like, it, they didn't script any of this stuff. Like, Gorilla just feeds in for lines, and Heenan... Can just deliver a one-liner out of his back pocket at genuinely any moment like that's that's a skill that i can't think of anyone who's ever replicated in the business
1: yeah I, I think bobby heenan could have absolutely had a career in stand-up comedy if he hadn't been a commentator and manager
0: oh god yes but he uh for the record heenan is right sherry's looking good
1: as always you are you a fan of the sean sherry pairing
0: I actually really love the way that storyline came to be too. kind of like hot on the heels of the macho King thing, failing her becoming smitten with this like young up and comer guy and she's in love with him and he's just using her like that's great heat. And she is like so great as like, like just as an obsessed older woman lusting after a younger man. I also
1: love the reality of it, that if somebody was working stiff with Sean, she'd tell him to throw them outside and she'd beat them up for him.
0: That's so great. And while <laughs> I think like Bruce denied that on their podcast, I completely <laughs> fucking believe that.
1: Oh yeah. Like uh, I can
0: believe Sherry yeah. and stiff guys. Steri- Sherry was getting over on guys on like TV in an era where women were barely even existing. Like I fully believe that Sherry could hold her own with anybody. Yeah. Um,
1: Sean goes for the teardrop back suplex. Tito uh, flips out of it, counters with the flying forearm, but knocks Sean down to the floor so he can't get the pin. Tito hits another flying forearm. Sean rolls out of the ring again. Uh, Sean gets the apron. Tito tries to suplex him into the ring, but Sherry trips him. Sean comes down on top and gets the one, two, three. Really solid opening match.
0: Absolutely. It was great. Tito is really good at this stuff. And I don't think that we've ever really commented on what a work of art his flying forearm is. Yeah. Like it's gorgeous. Yeah. I don't, I I can't even understand. I don't understand the physics of it. Like he bounces off the ropes and then flies 20 feet across the ring. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah.
1: Um, Final televised WrestleMania match for Tito Santana. He would wrestle Papa Shango in the dark match the year after this at WrestleMania nine
0: thereby breaking the streak because he had had what nine in a row,
1: yeah. yeah well, eight, eight in a row. row, yeah. He wrestled every WrestleMania yeah. to this point,
0: and I think he'd only won one match. Poor Tito. Is there any reason why he was the Matador here? Uh,
1: just like, oh, let's give him a new gimmick, let's yeah. make
0: him a bullfighter. It's just so weird to take a guy who's like 38 and at the end of his career and be like, hey, time for a new gimmick, brother.
1: Yeah, um, I I think it was like after his WrestleMania loss the previous year, they did this storyline where he, (coughs) in shame, went back to his homeland and rediscovered his roots. One of those. Got Um, it. He then puts over Sean. He says he's going to be the world champion and the star of the 90s. I thought that was awesome.
0: And he's right, because that's true. And basically, from this point on, us covering WrestleMania is basically going to be us progressively covering Shawn Michaels because this is his show. And until what, until 14 goes off the air, this is his WrestleMania thing. And it's just going to be his growth and then his departure. Absolutely.
1: Um, Then we get a (coughs) very strange segment. Mean Gene is on the stage for an interview with the Legion of doom and they introduce The debuting Paul Ellering, uh, their classic manager, a guy I'm a big fan of who had not been with them so far. Um, So basically the storyline is the Legion of Doom sucks, but now that Paul Ellering is there, they're going to be good again. (laughs) Just like, we've got a runaway train and now we've got a conductor, I think
0: is a line that Animal literally says. Paul Ellering cuts a promo here that I do not understand a word of. He says a lot of stuff about like honor and how like they haven't been fighting correctly, but now we're going to fight with honor. And like, I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. To be fair, I'm not sure I've ever heard a Paul Ellering promo and thought, man, that was a great promo. Good job, Paul.
1: Um, I thought it was a good presentation the three of them, but yeah, I mean some for some reason the Road Warriors just never felt right in the WWF.
0: Not a good fit. And like that's one of those things where it's the same reason Goldberg never quite felt right in WWE is you have to watch somebody progress along those lines to really enjoy them when they become a main eventer. like you have to watch the job matches and see them get over and be impressed by them. They can't just come in as killers and then not kill anybody. And you just accept them that way. That's always been kind of a problem. And it's a big problem with what they do with NXT now, where if all your character progression was in another place that people didn't see, it's hard to accept you as that character now. Yeah. So this
1: will prove to be the final WrestleMania appearance uh, for the Legion of Doom in this run. They leave the company after SummerSlam. I'll be saying final appearance a lot tonight. Almost everybody is gone after this show.
0: Supposed to be in the tag title match here? Because I thought, wasn't like Animal or somebody suspended?
1: I don't know if it was that, but yeah, they they were the tag champions, and then they lost the belts to Money Inc. and Money yeah. Inc. ended up in a nothing match against the Natural Disasters instead. Yeah. And you know, something weird's happened here because the Natural Disasters had also very abruptly turned face
0: because they were heels back at the Rumble. They were such good heels.
1: Yeah. Um. So next match, we've got Jake the Snake Roberts against The Undertaker. Um. So the story here was they had been. You know, kind of evil partners in crime. They had teamed up to disrupt uh, Macho Man and Liz's uh, wedding reception. <coughs> but Jake took things too far when he was going to hit Liz with a chair, and Undertaker stopped him, leading to the classic line where Jake asked Undertaker, "Whose side are you on?" And he responds, "Not yours." <laughs> Um, Then we got the great segment on the funeral parlor (laughs) where Jake slammed Taker's hand in the casket, immobilized him, and then DDT'd Paul Bear on the floor.
0: That's a genuinely genius segment. Where, like, he literally traps Undertaker, and Undertaker's acting like a robot who doesn't understand how his hand works. Well, like... Literally, Jake just beats the shit out of Paul Bear, beats the shit out of Taker, destroys the set. Just great, great stuff from Jake.
1: Let's put over Jake as even if he's not, you know, a physical threat to the Undertaker, he's an intellectual threat. Right. So the backstory here, this is Jake's last match in the WBF until 1996. Um, he had wanted... Um, to take over Pat Patterson's job in creative. He you know was lobbying Vince for that. Vince told him, no, you know, we're not going to hire anybody for Pat's spot right now. Jake was furious. He had wanted to transition to a backstage role. So before this match, he demands his release and tells Vince if he won't give it to him, he won't do the match. So Vince agrees to let him go. Jake ends up leaving for WCW, and that's the one match run we covered with Halloween Havoc 1992,
0: which winds up doing major, major, major business because this is the kind of thing that didn't happen at the time and created a very real dream match between him and Sting. Yeah,
1: rare case of somebody going from the W a big star going from the WWF to WCW in that era.
0: Yeah. Now, do we know if he was like super into the drugs at this point, or was it after that all goes to hell? That it gets really um,
1: bad. I'm not thinking he was probably into him by this point.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, if he had gotten to be part of creative, how might Jake's story be different at this point? But I think at this point was not really the time to have somebody like Jake as part of your backstage crowd, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, questionable. Yeah. Uh, so this is not much of a match. You know, Jake hits some jabs. Taker does some chokes. Gorilla Smell says there's always a smell of formaldehyde in the air when Undertaker's around. Heenan responds that he thought that was Gorilla's <laughs> cologne. <laughs> um, gorilla threatens to have Heenan thrown out. Heenan responds that he's Indiana's favorite, Bobby, takes a shot at the Indiana Hoosiers basketball team for losing the night before. That was to Duke in the 1992 Final Four, so Heenan's really healing on Indiana there
0: that's a very famous game too. And they were really salty about it.
1: (laughs) Um, Jake hits a DDT out of nowhere. Taker sits up. Short arm clothesline. Taker sits up. Another DDT from Jake. He doesn't cover. He goes to mess with Paul Bear instead. Taker sits up. Goes out to the floor. Tombstones Jake on the floor. Rolls him back into the ring for the pin. You know, nothing special. Five minutes, but puts Taker over strong.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, I mean it's really not important except as a footnote in the Undertaker's overall streak that it's just kind of a thing that happened. It is, but it's underrated work by Jake. It really is. Like he makes at this point, it's hard to make a match with Taker because he's just not able to sell anything. Like he's not having matches; he's just mercilessly destroying people. So it's it's a pretty good testament to him that he gets something out of this.
1: Yeah. Then we go backstage and we get a great interview with Mean Gene and Piper and Brett. Um, I think they do a great job of setting up the story of their match here. You know, it's a respect match, but there's some bad blood here. Piper doesn't like that the young guys are trying to take his spot, so Piper, you know, is trying to be nice, but he's being condescending. He's talking about knowing Brett since he was a little kid, but then he's talking about how he wasn't, you know, pot- potty trained until he was seven. About how he always beat him up when he was a kid, and Brett, you know, isn't having any of this. Brett is serious, ready to take his title back, and Piper, you know, kind of freaks out.
0: And then, like this awesome moment happens. Like Piper goes to leave, Brett grabs him and is like, "I would have punched you in the face. I would have had you." And then Piper shows like a belt wrapped around his fist. And is like. No, you wouldn't have. And like, it's such yeah. a great, serious moment from Piper, and he's never serious. It's so good. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Absolutely sets the tone for their match, the story of their match. <coughs> um, so, and next up, we've got it for the Intercontinental title. Roddy Piper defends against Bret Hart. As you should remember, Piper won the title from the Mounty at the Rumble '92. That was after the Mounty had beaten brett when brett wrestled against doctor's <coughs> orders with a fever um so now brett gets a shot at the title he was unjustly defeated for and the fascinating thing about this match is that we actually get to see roddy piper wrestle instead of brawl
0: yes and i i think man we covered a lot of shows from this aaron from the 80s is this the only really wrestling match we've seen him in
1: yeah All of his other matches are brawls, but here, yeah, they're doing, they're locking up, they're doing headlocks and arm drags and takeovers, they're doing all kinds of technical stuff. And it's a really cool, slow build where just you can tell the tension is up and up and and things are going to get out of control. But yeah, they start with a scientific match and they build from there.
0: God, this is probably. God, I don't I don't want to make any kind of sweeping declaration here, but this is one of my favorite Intercontinental Championship matches of all time. And this is really the moment where Bret Hart arrives as a single star. And we've been making so many references to the fact that Roddy Piper doesn't put people over, never loses, never does anything, even slightly to look vulnerable at any moment, just refuses to. I, I wonder if it's it's just loyalty to the Hart family yeah. or that he feels like it's finally time to make a star. I, I don't know stuck what it for is. Brad yeah but piper puts brett over in a way that nobody else on this show does with anybody else
1: yeah like not only does brett beat him but this match clearly shows that brett is the superior
0: wrestler yes Yes. like piper is trying brett at brett's game and brett soundly defeats him at it
1: yeah um early in the match brett hits a drop kick but he comes down on his shoulder and hurts it Piper goes to pick him up, and it turns out Brett was playing possum and rolls him into a small package. Piper kicks out, but he's pissed. He slaps Brett across the face. This is where Heenan starts talking about how he was champion. (laughs) Gorilla goes,
0: of (laughs) what? Heenan goes, the neighborhood. Oh, my God. Bobby Heenan, we'll just keep repeating this over and over, but Bobby Heenan is so great at this little stuff of spinning it out, and Gorilla is so great at giving him shit over it, and then Gorilla's like, the only gold you have is in your teeth. There is-, is no
1: gold in my teeth. <laughs> um, Brett hits a crossbody body and both guys go over the top rope. Brett gets back in the ring. He goes to tie his boot and Piper hits him with a sucker punch and now shits on. Brett blades, uh, which was a big no-no at the time, but he didn't get caught, unlike Ric Flair later in the show. And when Vince asked him about it, he just said it was hard way and Vince let it go.
0: I mean, it obviously is not hard way. Oh, no. what the fuck did he get busted open by? Yeah. <clears throat> and it's it's kind of weird for him to blade because he's got so much hair in his face that uh, most of the match you can't even really tell that there's a lot of blood there. But I mean, it's still a great touch for this match, and I'm not surprised at all that Vince let it go because it's sort of like a first offender thing. Later on when Flair does it, I mean, that's what Flair does, and he does yeah. it right on camera. Flair
1: does it, yeah, like literally you watch him do it.
0: He just like walks towards the camera as he slices <laughs> his head. His head. Yeah.
1: head, uh, this, is, this is one of those things that when Brett and Flair were, you know, feuding and shoot interviews, this was something Brett gave him a lot of shit for that he couldn't even blade properly. Oh,
0: damn.
1: Brett Hart's the real blading king.
0: Bret Hart is the real Shade King, is what he is. (laughs)
1: Um, Piper hits a bulldog, and then he bites Bret's forehead. Somehow, STDs do not exist in wrestling.
0: Had to say, like, ugh.
1: Fuck. Like, what? And uh, I think everybody knew Bret was getting around on the road, if you've read his book.
0: Had to say, that's literally... To do that today, it would be like the most insanely dangerous thing you could possibly do like oh my god are you not worried about hepatitis Uh, uh, imagine doing that to Bob Orton fuck yeah
1: Um, Brett comes back with a sunset flip Piper again kicks out and he's still pissed off he's hitting rights and lefts Brett hits a shoulder block and then they both hit a clothesline at the same time Um, Piper goes up to the top rope but Brett pops up Slams him face first into the mat. This was brutal. Like this wasn't a sl- like a flare slam where he comes down on his back. He went down head first here.
0: Yeah, and it looked great. Like at this point, they're like stiffing each other. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: Um, Brett hits an inverted atomic drop, then a snap suplex. Brett goes for the sharpshooter, but Piper blocks it. <clears throat> Brett goes for the front elbow, but Piper gets his foot up, just blasts him in the face. This looked rough.
0: I think, honestly, at this point, I can't tell if this is one of those matches where Piper's like, I'm laying it in, so you better send it, too. But everything Piper's doing looks like it's hitting him hard. It's a
1: shooting work match.
0: Yeah. Like, if Piper's going to job you, it's going to look like he gave his best fight.
1: Yeah. Um, Brett gets Piper in a headlock. Piper throws him into the ref. Ref's down. Piper slams Brett into the steps, throws him back in the ring. Piper goes and get the ring gets the ring bell, and this is such a great moment. He just agonizes over whether or not to use the bell. Do you remember the uh Sami Zayn Neville NXT title match where Zayn finally won the title? Yes. They did the exact same moment in there, and it was great that time too.
0: I mean, it's just such a great moment, especially for like Piper's not a heel here. He's still very much a babyface, <clears throat> but he has been acting super heelish with Brett here. But like he still has that underlying love and respect for Brett and his family. And even though he's mad, he just can't quite bring himself to go full heel like he used to. And yeah. that's what loses him the match.
1: And doesn't he want to prove that he's the better wrestler and not just a cheater?
0: Hasn't that always been the thing that surrounded him? It, this is his first championship that he's ever had in WWE. Doesn't he want to defend it for real?
1: Yeah. He can't bring himself to do it. Heenan is very upset by this.
0: Oh, Heenan would never understand. Like, what do you mean?
1: (laughs) Did did you drop Uh,
0: it? Pick it back up.
1: (laughs) Brett instead, or Piper instead locks on the sleeper and we get the classic finish. Brett runs up the turnbuckle, pushes off with his feet, manages to turn himself over in midair and land in a bridge pin because of the way the sleeper is locked on. There is no way Piper can kick out of this. I love this
0: finish. It's so great that he would later reuse it with Austin at their Survivor Series match, and it's exactly as brilliant there.
1: Has there ever been a better finish man in pro wrestling than Bret Hart?
0: No. And, like, one of the good things about that is that he was not afraid to get good finishes from other places. Like, he famously, like... Asked jericho like hey what's a good small package variant to do in my pay-per-view match tonight and like he would just get it pull from all these different sources which is a thing that guys didn't really do at that time like people weren't big tape watchers at the time and Hart was kind of one of the first of those
1: yeah i mean he, it's another thing you pick up in his book but like he would get an idea and he would just sit on it he'd like write it down in a notebook And when he would have a big match, he would look through the notebook for ideas rather than be, you know, get a good idea and be like, okay, we'll do that you know, tonight in our house show match in
0: Tulsa. He'd wait for a moment where it actually made sense to use something. In that way, he was kind of the opposite of Shawn Michaels because Bret Hart would famously have the Bret Hart match when it wasn't a real match, which is the exact same match, no matter who he was wrestling all the times. Like he was the original five moves of doom. Like every, which is funny, because we remember him as such a great worker. But like he was really one of those guys who, when it was a big match, that's when you'd get the greatness. And otherwise, it was just kind of whatever.
1: And somehow he would grip Ric Flair for having the same match every time. He and Ric Flair are the
0: same guy. All right?
1: Yes! It's another of those. It's like Vince McMahon and Bob Costas.
0: Yeah. Like, Ric Flair... Bret Hart and, is just a Canadian version of Ric Flair. Ric Flair and Bret Hart are both super promiscuous dudes who are obsessed <laughs> with themselves and super narcissistic and are great wrestlers and they're stars of their federation. It's the same guy, okay? So, of course, they hate each other. Of right? course they do.
1: Um, We could vi- <laughs> have... We get an interview now with Lex Luger, who was recently signed with the World Bodybuilding Federation. He's a total heel. He talks about what a great commentator Heenan is and calls Monsoon a fat ass. And then he has a butler bring him a glass of milk, which was delightfully
0: heelish. This is such a great segment. Lex Luger is sitting in a chair, and Lex Luger is gigantic. Lex Luger oh looks God, like he's, he auditioning. Looks so good. he's auditioning for the incredible Hulk here. Like he does not fit in this chair and it's a big chair and the seat, in the part where he's just like, uh, you feel, excuse me guys. I'm a little thirsty. And the butler brings him a glass of milk and he just drinks it. Like that doesn't lead anywhere. He just li- drinks a glass of milk on the air.
1: Yeah. This does not feel like a 1991 wrestling promo. It's so self-aware and ironic.
0: Yes. And like the whole concept of the narcissist that would later come, like they didn't really understand what they were doing with that. But like Lex Luger was kind of giving it his all and making it work. If they had like have gotten a,
1: Lex Express, I think he would have had a great heel, run.
0: He was such a great heel. And we can talk later about, uh, I, I, We've been doing this for, God, I don't know, like 30 episodes now. And I think in at least 20 of those, I've mentioned that one day we will cover Lex Luger's heel turn on Taka, But we will. But Lex Luger was actually good sometimes.
1: Yeah, sometimes. Very occasionally. Sometimes.
0: Very occasionally. <laughs> uh,
1: next up, we have a totally <laughs> pointless match. It's the Big Boss Man, Sergeant Slaughter, Virgil, and Jim Duggan against the Nasty Boys, Repo Man, and the Mountie. Uh, The only real highlight here is I I thought Ray Combs had a few decent lines introducing um, the heels and making
0: fun of them. It it was pretty weird. Like, when they first announced that he was the ring announcer, I was like, all right, that's a little odd. Why? Because he's not really a celebrity he's just the host of family feud and he keeps like saying like and uh, we're gonna go to the survey that's not how the survey on family feud works they don't just ask the crowd for hey what kind of insult would you like to make about sergeant slaughter like what no yeah. is this the
1: only celebrity they had tonight
0: i think it is yeah, which that's how to we be fall, associated
1: guys. with this dog shit product at this point
0: no god no
1: um, the only highlight of this match is Heenan announcing that Shawn Michaels has left the building,
0: which is great. I love that.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, what happens here? Duggan clothesline <laughs> sags to the floor and Virgil gets the pin on knobs. I just want to comment that the year before this Sergeant Slaughter was the world champion and in the main event. And now he's in
0: this match and he's literally the least memorable part of this match in a very not memorable match.
1: He's back to being an American sympathizer.
0: He literally has equal billing with Repo Man. That's where we are. Uh, Sergeant
1: Slaughter's final WrestleMania match. Also, uh, last one for Big Boss Man in this run. Uh, Last one for Virgil. Last one for Jim Duggan. Last one for the Nasty
0: Boy. (laughs) everybody's getting cleared out of here yep it's a whole new generation and the only one who's going to survive is repo man yeah
1: uh we get an interview with rick flair he promises to reveal his pictures of elizabeth where she's wearing nothing but the staples in the centerfold
0: this is a good promo it is i, I don't like this storyline and I especially didn't like it the second time when they did the exact same storyline in WCW for some reason. Except oh, that I thought
1: the WCW version of it was great.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, but like it's just it was weird that they basically repeated it. Except they did have Elizabeth turn heel.
1: Yeah, they, the it, balls actually turn Elizabeth.
0: Right. Which was great. At that point, it was great. But here, it just it's just kind of empty. Like you're the champion, and it's just like yeah, I got naked pictures of your girl. Har 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 har. But like it's obviously not true it's obviously not true and they just keep harping on it and it's very weird and mr perfect you, is you, a bad promo
1: yeah uh you didn't buy that nature <clears throat> had elizabeth back when she was good
0: i mean nate had a lot of people so i mean it's not impossible but the way that they have betrayed elizabeth at this point it's just not feasible that that's a thing you know what i mean it's almost not even feasible yeah. that Savage has seen her naked. Probably not.
1: They probably sleep in different rooms.
0: But that that's that's the level of purity that they've attached to Elizabeth at this point. So not so much me being affronted with Ric Flair for having the gall to treat her that way, but it's just like, guys, stop. Stop it. Stop using Elizabeth like this. It's mean.
1: It is a much more mature storyline that it's like, yeah, Flair banged Elizabeth. Because yeah. like they hadn't yeah. gone there before
0: no not at all like they had barely touched on the idea of somebody lusting after elizabeth with hogan and then like never again after that
1: um so next up we've got rick flair defending the world wrestling federation championship against randy savage um flair is backed up by his executive (laughs) consultant mr perfect course heenan on commentary is going crazy cheerleading for flair um savage runs to the ring to go after flair flair bails out no elizabeth with him at the start of this match um flair or savage is just on fire he's beating the shit out of flair perfect interferes pulls him off can't stop savage he hits a clothesline a knee to the back he's biting flair uh, Savage delivers a 10-punch, but that gets countered with an inverted atomic drop. Savage blocks it and hits Flair with a clothesline, then the back elbow.
0: He's just I, don't think, I don't think I've ever seen Savage get this much offense in a match in his entire career. Yeah. And, and it's weird because usually he's the guy who's doing the bumping and feeding, and but like Ric Flair is that guy. So basically oh, yeah. what they're... What they're doing here is a Southern-style wrestling match. And it's just really weird to see one of those on WrestleMania, you know? This is one of the
1: few Ric Flair matches in this WWF run where I feel like he's really on his game. Like Savage seemed to be one of the only guys who could work his match with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a Ric Flair match. This is Ric Flair cheating, Ric Flair using all the outside interference, Ric Flair like controlling the tempo, calling the match... This feels fully out of NWA-era Ric Flair. Absolutely. This could absolutely be one of those matches. And it's a complete breath of fresh air with everything else on the card because nobody else wrestles like this.
1: Savage charges Flair. He gets backdropped over the top rope to the floor, and now Flair's in control. He hits a big vertical suplex, a knee drop, slams Savage into the ring apron. He suplexes him from the apron into the ring. Um, Savage gets a few right hands And a swinging breaker, But Flair rakes his eyes Uh, Flair goes to the top rope He gets thrown off Um, (coughs) Flair gets thrown into the turnbuckle Does the Flair flip over the top rope Runs to the opposite corner Comes off the top rope But gets clotheslined For a really close two count Crowd is on fire for this match
0: Yeah, it, it must be said That while we kind of, everybody lauds this as a great match. And we were talking earlier about how kind of stupid it was, the circumstances that led Savage to getting the number one contendership. Savage is wild over here. And the fans are very offended on his behalf about what's happening with Elizabeth. And Flair has real heat. But I think more than Flair having heat, Savage is just beloved.
1: Yeah. Um, Flair gets thrown to the floor. Savage hits him with the double axe handle off the top rope. It's here where Flair blades right on camera.
0: <laughs> it's but so bad.
1: He bother to try to hide it.
0: And it's not off of like a super obvious spot for that. No. He just blades because yeah. this is the point in the match where we blade.
1: Yeah, Vince, find him for this. I would have too, just for being an idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah, even if blading were allowed, you're
1: not allowed to blade on camera.
0: Oh, God. This is. Obvious, like this would have been like total botchamania if that had been around at that time.
1: How high is this rate on the unnecessary blade job scale? This is like a Shawn Michaels circa
0: 2003. Oh god, when he was blading in every match, like oh, I caught a clothesline, time to blade. Yep. Um, Savage hits
1: another axe handle for a close two count. Then he hits the flying elbow, gets the one two perfect pulls him off savage chases perfect around the ring perfect rolls into the ring gives brass knuckles to flair flair knocks savage out with the knucks for a really
0: close two count i thought that was a brilliant sequence oh it was amazing and the crowd at this point is nuclear like this is easily the hottest that they are all night it's not even close
1: Yeah, I mean, this is another of those savage matches that really benefits from laying the whole thing out in advance because they're doing much more intricate spots than you're used to seeing. Right. Um, This is where Elizabeth starts to come down the aisle and we get the WrestleMania debut of Shane McMahon as he tries to stop
0: her. Can you explain to me why they're trying so hard? Like, there's like six guys. I know. And they're all trying to prevent her from being at ringside. (laughs) She's a licensed
1: L.A. She has every right to be down at ringside. They're treating it like.
0: They're treating it like she's going to be like fired if she lays a hand on Rick or like she's been like has a restraining order by Randy or something. It's like that. we like it feels like there's a part of the story that we're missing. Like she's been banned from ringside and she's going to ruin the match for Randy. And all she's doing is just like tapping on the apron like, come on, Randy, let's go. While Shane actively tries to shove her out of the way,
1: yeah, Uh, we get a long (laughs) sequence of Flair
0: working Savage's leg.
1: He really, really works the heat.
0: The knee breakers that he does are some of the coolest looking things I've ever seen. Like lifting him up over his head, like and then like power bombing him down on the knee. Like that's such a vicious looking move.
1: Yeah. Uses that as the setup to the figure four, locks it in. Savage is able to turn it over and perfect helps Flair make the ropes. Uh we get a small package from Savage for two. He can barely stand up, but he manages to catch Flair with a schoolboy out of nowhere, grabs the trunks and gets the one, two, three. New champion. Amazing match.
0: If this had been the blow-off to this feud, this is an all-time classic match. Like, so good. It's very weird that this is not at all the blow-off to this feud. No. (laughs) And they immediately continue it. But it is every bit as good as people say it is. Now, as I said on the last one, we're kind of trying to find the best WrestleMania match of all time as we go through these. And some people have suggested that this is it. I still think that Savage Warrior is
1: It is more emotional.
0: Yeah. So I'm still holding that up as the best match in WrestleMania history to this point. And we'll see as we go on. But I just wanted to keep you guys updated on that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was a huge mistake that Savage won the title here. Huge. Huge mistake. I I think that was insane. They blew all the heat off.
0: Like if Flair wins here, especially if he wins in a shitty way, or if he gets his hands on Liz and that's what leads to the win. So much heat, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, imagine the house show chase with Savage trying to get his revenge and win the belt. Instead, it's Savage or Flair chasing Savage, and it didn't draw at all. Because why would it? That's not how you do wrestling storylines. Oh. And then they end up panicking and taking the belt off Savage and putting <coughs> it back on Flair, and it all fell apart.
0: So stupid. Like, just so many mistakes being made left and right here. It really, like, this whole show, and especially the next year of booking after it, really feel like they're booked by someone who's distracted, which, of course, Vince was.
1: Yeah, because Vince is about to do, Vince is facing, you know, doing time in federal prison.
0: And he doesn't have Pat. Like, it's just Vince and Bruce. And Jerry Jarrett. And, oh, my God. And Jerry Jarrett.
1: They brought Jerry Jarrett in to run the company if Vince went to prison.
0: That's so fucking shit. Like, (laughs) can you imagine how garbage this company would have been under the tiller of Jerry fucking Jarrett?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that would have been terrible.
0: Jeff Jarrett
1: would have been... Vince would have been trying to run the company from prison.
0: Just like the true mob boss that he is.
1: Yeah. uh, They would have been making a lot of trips to go see Vince in prison.
0: We would have seen a news story about Vince attempting to break out of prison on the day that Jeff Jarrett pinned Hulk Hogan to win the title.
1: Is there any question that if Vince had gone to prison, Nails would have been his cellmate? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fucking Nails.
1: Um, in the post-match, Flair tries to kiss Elizabeth, but she slaps him. All the agents separate Flair and Savage Uh we get a huge celebration with fireworks. This really feels like it should be the end of the show.
0: This is the second year in a row where yep. Savage is clearly the true main event, and it kind of makes you wonder what could have been if they had just gone with Savage, like earlier on when the, when it was really the time for that. Because honestly, like Savage is so the sentimental favorite of the crowd here. Like it's not even close, and like. I'm not saying that it would have been reasonable to go with him instead of Hogan, because that's not reasonable. But it really makes you wonder what if, because if he had been the top star of this company, it would have been a lot easier to transition into this era.
1: Yeah. Um, So we get a post-match interview with Mooney and Perfect and Flair. Uh, Perfect complains about Savage pulling the trunks. Heenan has abandoned his announcing post and run backstage. He says, you know, I've got the tape. We're going to fix this. Flair cuts a great and like kind of eerily calm promo where he's just like, you know, I get it. I'm not upset. I understand. But, you know, I'm going to get that title back. It's going to be mine again.
0: I just love that line. Just like there's a man walking around town claiming to be world's heavyweight champion, but he's uh, not. He's not. <laughs> I love that.
1: And he's fucking bleeding as this is going on. Like yeah. he just
0: seems crazy, and I like that. I like yeah. crazy players.
1: I wish this had been an evolution of his character. What? What if this had been his new character that he was insane?
0: That would have been so fitting for the time. Yeah. Uh, instead, but, he'll be gone in a year.
1: Yeah. Um. Then we get an interview with Savage. Eh, he just, you know, I mean, he's got he, he's coming to promos if he lost the match because yeah. he's just ranting and raving about how he's coming for Flair.
0: He doesn't give a fuck about that time. Ty- Should we read this promo because it's crazy?
1: Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be Gene. You be Savage. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> Uh, Thank you very much, Sean Mooney. With me right now is the new World Wrestling Federation Champion, Macho Man Randy Savage, along with the First Lady, Miss Elizabeth. Now, some might say, Macho Man, that that was a questionable victory. You heard them talking about the tights and so forth
0: why do i care i don't care that's okay that's just a piece of what i wanted from you rick flair this is what makes you tick rick flair what makes you tick from the inside out and i just took a piece of you yeah you haven't been beaten up properly but this isn't all i want from you rick flair i want the whole nature boy i want the whole flair package you wild yourself the real wwf champion well i guess i am now and you won't what you did to Elizabeth. I caught, you couldn't make me any matter that I was before I went into the ring, but somehow you did it impossible. Yeah. Now I'm going to get the rest of him. If I get him in a street parking lot, does not matter to me? Yeah. I- I'll do anything to win. And if I didn't prove it, I'll prove it next time. Oh yeah. And then he turns around to Liz and just goes and like, hands her the title and just says like, this is your, Oh wait, no, no. That's He just says, let's go.
1: Wait a minute. If I may.
0: Yeah. If you may, What?
1: Elizabeth, after what happened here at WrestleMania, the, f- the fact that Randy defeated Ric Flair for the WWF title in light of all the allegations and everything that's been going on in the past couple of months, do you feel at this time that you have been at all vindicated?
0: Then Savage turns to Elizabeth, thrusts the title at her and says, wait a minute, this is yours. Take it and go. And this, and then Savage rips his shirt off like Hulk Hogan, is yours, Ric Flair. You can have all of me next time. Mr. Perfect, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm out of here. Ooh, yeah. Just a piece.
1: All right. thank you very much. Macho Man Randy Savage. We're in Indianapolis. We're in the Hoosier Dome. This is Wrestlemania 8.
0: That is a crazy person promo.
1: (sighs) Yeah, that's the promo after he got beat, not after he won the belt.
0: Like, if it weren't for the fact he was wearing the title the whole time, you would absolutely think that he had lost that match. He's obsessed. Like, he won the title, and he's just like, this is an afterthought. Who cares? I still want to beat your ass. That's not yeah, how feuds where, work.
1: Yeah, it, this is where Vince's instinct to always have the baby face go over harmed him. Like, I, there's no question Flair should have kept the belt. No question at all. Yeah. Um. Uh, Imagine how hot SummerSlam would have been if it's Savage
0: finally getting the belt from Flair. Oh, God, yes. In like a cage match, so like Perfect Can Interfere or something, like that's the match.
1: Uh, Next up, we've got the WrestleMania debut of Native American Tatanka as he takes on Rick the Model Martel.
0: Um, This doesn't
1: seem like the real Tatanka. He's in long tights.
0: It's very weird and they have like a whole like a group of actual Native Americans <laughs> in the ring but they like don't reference them at all and they don't perform they're just kind of there they're just a bunch and of And then Indian they Americans. wander off. Yeah. Yeah, they don't interact with Tatanka at all. They're just there. <laughs> yeah. now as you guys may or may not remember, Tatanka was my favorite wrestler as a kid. Um that's a little bit questionable as I've grown up in Realized how vaguely racist that whole thing was, but even so, like he, Tatanka did have some really great moments and are really underrated. And I look forward to covering them. This is not one of those. Yeah, this is just
1: a throwaway match. I mean, he gets the win over a. I mean, Martel wasn't super over by this point, but a reasonably big star of the '80s. Yeah,
0: this is just the point in the show where you're like, oh, so like all the new guys are beating all the people from the '80s. Got it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the best part of this match is Heenan and Monsoon fighting on commentary. Um, Heenan gets back. He's all flustered, not a breath. Monsoon keeps needling him. Heenan is doing this hilarious stuff where he's like, ah, I, I'm going to focus on the match. I am a broadcast journalist. I am going to do, do do my job. And Monsoon just keeps calling him a liar and winding Heenan up. Oh, Tricky Rick ran out of tricks,
0: didn't he, Bobby? <laughs>
1: yeah Uh, Heenan challenges monsoon to a fight at one point
0: oh it's so good and part of the joy in their partnership is the absolute knowledge that if they did have a fight gorilla monsoon would eat him alive
1: (laughs) gorilla monsoon is so gigantic
0: yes you kind of forget that when you just hear his voice all the time but dude is huge
1: yeah uh tatanka goes over here (laughs) in four minutes with a cross body i mean this is the death spot after that last match
0: this is kind of the moment in the show, too, where I realized, like, every, this is supposed to be a show where old guys put over new guys, right? Like, that that seems to be the premise. Yeah. Well, despite the fact that, like, as Bruce Pritchard will tell you, like, the whole point is to beat them with their finish, nobody on this show loses to somebody else's finish, except for The Undertaker winning with the Tombstone. Like, it's, even though there's a lot, there's not as many, like, DQs as to where, like, WrestleMania 4... It's still a ton of like, uh, you can beat me with a roll-up, or you can beat me with this weird move that's not your finish. It's very strange.
1: Um, So in the next match, we've got uh, Money, Inc. defending the World Tag Team Championship against the Natural Disasters. This feels completely thrown together. The Disasters have suddenly turned face. Money, Inc. are suddenly the Tag Champions, and we get this (laughs) match, which just Dies a death in front of this crowd.
0: Sure does.
1: Uh, I think the only highlight is, as DiBiase is making his entrance, some dude in the crowd <laughs> on camera lashes like six $1 bills and apparently thinks he looks cool doing it.
0: He them all split out, and he's, like, fanning himself with them, like, like yeah, oh, look at all yeah. the money. Making hey, it
1: rain with five bucks.
0: Hey, that's big money in Indiana. <laughs> yeah.
1: Heenan rightfully buries this guy.
0: Oh, God, uh, yes.
1: I'll bring up a note I found in the Wrestling Observer from February that DiBiase and Shawn Michaels were going to form a tag team. How amazing would that have
0: been? Oh, my God. Is this the birth of the idea for the Ringmaster gimmick?
1: It seems of like that gimmick has been around forever, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Like it's just one of those ones that they tried to put on everybody. God, if they had saddled Shawn Michaels with that, like it would have been a great tag team. But Shawn really needed to fly solo.
1: That that tag team should have been called Dirty Sexy Money.
0: Dirty Sexy Money. God, yeah. Wow. Never mind. That should have happened.
1: Um, uh, the disasters dominate. Money and consider walking out, but they don't. Uh he pulls the rope down on Typhoon. That allows Money Inc. to take advantage, but almost immediately Typhoon turns the tide, hits a splash on IRS. Um Earthquake is gonna hit the sit-down <coughs> sit splash, but Money Inc. um escape when Jimmy Hart pulls IRS out of the ring. The champs grab grab their belts and walk away, they get counted out. Um I do love the walkout as a heel finish.
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially when it's in a match like this where the stakes aren't super high. This isn't a super hot match. It just puts some heat on these characters and makes a lot of sense and protects the babyfaces. What's really frustrating about this, and I've always found this frustrating, is the gorilla's like, oh, this is going to cost them their share of the purse. I really hate when they bring up the purse. Like that's a concept that we always just accept about <laughs> wrestling matches. I mean, well,
1: like, I, I like referencing the purse. I like I like the idea that the winners go into the pay window.
0: But like, either always reference it or never reference it. Don't be like, oh, hey, he was gonna make uh, the winner share of the purse, but I guess not. He's the million dollar man. He doesn't yeah. give a fuck about the purse. Anyway. I, I don't think he cares about his payoff. But that could have been like a cool character, has being like, well, you guys care about winning the purse. I'm the million-dollar man. I'm going to walk out of every match. Who cares?
1: Uh, we go backstage for an interview with Brutus Beefcake, who just uh, kisses Hogan's ass. Fuck least, Brutus Beefcake.
0: At least it's on camera now, and it's not just Brutus Beefcake <sighs> in a semi-main event for no reason. <sighs> Excuse me.
1: Next up, we've got one of the biggest throwaway matches in WrestleMania history as Skinner takes on Owen Hart. What are your thoughts on Skinner?
0: What thoughts are there to even have on Skinner?
1: (laughs) I mean... Is he one of the worst wrestlers of all time?
0: Yes. He's one of the worst gimmicks of all time. He's one of the worst wrestlers of all time. And... Like, I, I did not realize that he was in the company this early. I, I guess I always kind of considered him to be part of that later jobber period where everyone had a weird job. Um,
1: he was a trailblazer is,
0: in that sense. Yeah. he was. It, it's very weird to have a Crocodile Dundee ripoff on this show. Yeah. It's very, very weird.
1: Uh, Skinner hits a reverse DDT, but Owen kicks out. Owen gets thrown over the top rope. He skins the cat back in and he gets an Oklahoma roll for the win. That's the whole match. It's, it's a, a minute won. long.
0: It's like, literally, King Kong Bundy has matches longer than this. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, the, the,
1: I think the show was running long. A British Bulldog versus Berserker match had also been
0: announced, but didn't make it on the show. I think they were just running out of time. I mean, that makes sense, though. I don't really know where it's running long, because there's only, maybe it's this doesn't seem as padded with random bullshit as all the other shows do. Like there's only like nine or 10 matches on this whole show.
1: No, I I guess it was the Flair Savage stuff. That's the only
0: thing that was long, but it doesn't even really, it was like 18 minutes. It doesn't go like 25. It's weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's also just making sure they have enough time for what's going to happen at the end of the show.
0: Yeah. Maybe we could have cut the main event down to five minutes for that. That That would have been
1: perfect. Yes. Uh, mean Gene interviews Sid, who now has Harvey Whippleman <laughs> as his manager. I love Harvey Whippleman as a manager because he's so tiny and makes his guys look so
0: gigantic. I agree with that. I I'd have never really liked his promos per se, but I do love him standing next to Sid because Sid lo- looks like he's going to just devour him at any moment.
1: um This is a great Sid promo. You know, he's just like, I don't give a damn. About Hulkamania. Yeah, just, he promises he's going to be the man who ends Hulkamania. And you believe
0: him. Sid, okay, look, we've come, we've been up front with you guys about how much we love Sid. So I think it's okay that we can just kind of like load effusive praise on him. And that's, you guys just understand what the deal is here. He looks incredible. He looks so big. And he's so threatening and aggressive and like he just has this it quality to him that other monsters like him just never had like he just has he's dripping with both sweat and charisma and like yeah i very seriously believe he should have won this match because if he wins with the heat and like the momentum he he been
1: liquid hot
0: see that's the thing like there weren't a lot of opportunities for someone to actually beat hogan and get his heat and i think this is that opportunity like, Sid pins Hogan yeah. clean with a powerbomb? Fuck. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, he's the yeah. new guy. Um,
1: yeah, we'll get we'll get to the finish here. The finish here is interesting. We'll, we'll get there in a second. Um, they, they reshow the, you know, Hogan-Vince <laughs> interview, and we don't get a Hulk Hogan backstage interview, which seems like a big omission.
0: I was really sorry about that, and maybe that's because, like, he just didn't feel like it. If this is supposed to be his like retirement match, maybe he didn't feel like doing like a cartoony promo. But I really feel like we missed out on getting that awesome Hulk Hogan. This doesn't make any fucking sense. Promo here, that era is dead, and it's very sad.
1: And there's never another Hulk Hogan backstage promo because he doesn't get one the next year either.
0: Well, doesn't he get one where he's got the black eye with Brutus? No, I don't think so. Huh. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Anyway, doesn't matter. It, it's never the same.
1: Uh, so we've got our main event. Sid, Justin against, Sid Justice against Hulk Hogan. Uh, this is what the world has come to. Uh, Harvey Whippleman insists on doing the introduction <laughs> for Sid. Sid comes down the aisle. He is fucking dripping in sweat or water or whatever. He looks gigantic and terrifying. They shoot him from the ground up, and he looks like an absolute mountain of a man coming down
0: the aisle. It's one of those very rare times where you can see people in the front row. Like, normally the people in the front row are reaching out to whoever, heels, faces, whatever, and they're not reaching out to Sid. They're, like, scared. Like, they don't want to touch him. Like, that is heat.
1: I guarantee kids were afraid of him.
0: I would have been. I'm afraid of him now. Every time he looks in the camera, I'm like, Buck, uh, don't look at me, Sid.
1: Genuinely scary guy.
0: He has a quality where he might actually murder you. And, mm-hmm. like, that's only further reinforced by what we actually know about his real life. Ooh,
1: <laughs> I love the way they shoot this Hogan entrance where he comes through the curtain, the camera's, like, all the way down the ramp, and the cameraman, like sprints up the ramp
0: to get right in his face the sweep up yes the classic hogan sweep the floor up to his face move and he does it all the way down the aisle this is actually i think maybe the last one of these too under wrestlemania which i'm always going to miss that because i think i mentioned all the way back in one of the first shows that we did that's one of the great arts of camera work in wrestling is what they used to do with hogan just like panning through all the outstretched hands of people reaching for Hogan and then panning up so he looks like the biggest person in the world to get his big, huge smile. Like That's that's one of the great camera work moves anyone's ever done.
1: And and this is where we get the birth of the, wow, I can't believe this ovation Hulk Hogan face that he would master in the years to come. Like, oh my goodness, are they cheering for little old me? The, oh my god can you believe this guys yeah this this is the look he would wear permanently from 2002 on
0: though i think in that case it was at least somewhat genuine like are oh, you guys seriously popping this yeah yeah
1: i think we've referenced it before but the, the one in montreal where it went all the way through the commercial break was crazy
0: and like after like five minutes of it still going hulk's like completely abandoned the idea of cutting his promo yeah he, just like what the fuck guys it's what are not we doing gonna
1: happen. yeah um you know, he gets a he gets a good ovation here but it's not it's not that it, it's not yeah i mean he's
0: cooled off a lot he's i mean arguably not even the top baby face on this show you know? i think savage was hotter and that's crazy i mean even P- i think piper was comparable too yeah it's just it's like it's like roman reigns like it gets to a point where it's so stale that you just can't bring yourself to care anymore.
1: Um, as soon as Hogan gets in the ring, Sid jumps in, but Hogan fires up and he knocks Sid out to the floor. Uh, they then redo the same spot again, and Sid again gets knocked out to the floor. <coughs> uh, Sid makes a comeback and slams Hogan. Tons of booze. Now Sid knocks Hogan to the floor. And hits him with Whippleman's loaded medical bag. Um, uh, This match just drags and drags. After this, like I barely have any notes because I think it was just like one long bear hug and
0: chin lock. This should have been a five minute match.
1: That was all they had. How long did it go?
0: I mean, I think ten, but like, I'm looking it up now. Twelve. It felt well a lot longer felt like 25 this could have been like goldberg lesnar like something like that or maybe not exactly like that since they have all this gaga to work out at the end but like man there's nothing here wrestling wise hogan's not gonna pull a good match out of sid especially when sid can't look vulnerable for even one second and hogan is not who he was yeah i feel like
1: 1986 hogan could have had a
0: pretty good match here but yeah
1: 1992 (laughs) hogan's not gonna be able to do it
0: He's just not bumping the same as he used to. Hogan's still wrestling like eighty style matches. Sid's doing squash match. Sid like it's not. It doesn't work. Like it only works if Sid just flat beats him, which of course it was never going to happen.
1: Yeah. The only real highlight here is Hogan taking the power bomb, which just you can't. Um, it, you see it, and it just doesn't look right.
0: Right. Like, Hogan never took Matt moves even slightly like that. Like, Hogan didn't really leave his feet. To, like, see him get up for that was like, wow. Yeah. Uh,
1: that gets one, two, kick out, Hogan hawks up, uh, body slam, <laughs> leg drop, one, two, Sid kicks out. Now, this is an infamous moment, and Uh, Some have speculated that, um, like, Sid went into business for himself and, you know, shot on Hogan and kicked out of his leg drop. That is not correct. Um, He was not supposed to kick out of the leg drop. Papa Shango was supposed to break up the pin. But they screwed up the timing of the interference and it took him forever to get down to the ring.
0: Now... And here's the thing, too. I seriously doubt that Sid made the decision to kick out. I'm sure somebody told him to. Whether it was the ref, whether it was Hogan himself, just seeing that the finisher gotten fucked.
1: But it's the right, it's but the the right there's
0: no, thing to do anyway. Right. You've got to kick out. you got to protect him. That's the whole idea. Yeah. It is interesting that
1: yeah, they weren't going to have Hogan pin him here.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're trying to get to two main events. Off of this match, like they're moving these two away from each other, and they want to go around the house show loop until SummerSlam with Sid, Warrior, and Hogan, Papa Shango. Like that's the plan, right?
1: Is that the? I think Hogan. I think they knew Hogan was going away. Um, Coming out of this, they did for the well, Sid. They were going to finally suspend Sid for not taking his drug tests, but they decided let's have him do the European tour because they didn't want to have to have him not be on all those cards. So they did him against Undertaker on the European tour, and then they had the infamous warrior Papa Shango feud. And then they were going to suspend Sid after the European tour, but he just quit
0: instead. Uh, It was softball season. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I get... That's what it seemed like the plan was after this, but I guess you're probably right. Like, that's not where it wound up going. I think
1: eventually, like, eventually they were probably going to do Warrior against Sid.
0: And then that's probably where they were going for SummerSlam. Like, Warrior versus Sid, Shango versus Hogan, if he was back by then. Like, that that just makes sense. But it's all fucked up here.
1: Yeah. Um, God, the shot of Shango jogging down the ramp. He's so slow.
0: And this is our the debut of Charles Wright, <laughs> who will be at many, many more of these WrestleManias. In very, never in any role. God,
1: what do you think of this Papa Shango character? I actually think it's really cool. I'm I, surprised I, this didn't get over.
0: I liked it a lot when I was a kid. Like it didn't like. I, I just like the idea of like a big mystery heel like that. Like there's there's always room for that. It seemed inevitable that he would feud with the Undertaker because that's their characters just kind of go together like peanut butter and jelly. And I, I, regretted thinking that when I eventually saw that actual feud.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, we would instead get the undertaker against the extreme fighting machine, <coughs> machine, comma, comma SummerSlam mars- 95. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. As always undertaker made sure his, fr- I, gu- I guess him and, Charles Wright probably weren't actually friends yet.
0: Yeah, but eventually they would be. the The bones they striker. both liked strip clubs. Though that is one of my favorite things about wrestling, basically ever, was Undertaker being on the road and being like, "I don't have any friends." <laughs> Charles, come back! Stop bodyguarding at that strip club and come work. <laughs> then find him a character.
1: Okay. Okay. We'll make him the extreme fighting machine. <laughs> which I thought was a great gimmick, too.
0: Charles Wright's had a lot of great gimmicks.
1: Yeah, and only the Godfather got over.
0: Yeah. It's a mystery that the good Father didn't get over.
1: Mm-hmm. So, after <laughs> a year, Shango gets to the ring, and he and Sid attack Hogan. They had already called for the bell, Um after Sid kicked out, Whippleman jumped up on the apron, Hogan dragged him in, the referee just threw the match out, which, again, was also the right call. Let's just wrap this clusterfuck up.
0: Agreed. And then a very controversial moment in WrestleMania history happens when the Ultimate Warrior's music hits and he makes a shocking return. Or is it an imposter? <laughs>
1: Why did people think the warrior had died because his physique was suddenly nowhere near as impressive? Well, his
0: hair looked different. He like he was doing like the big coats and stuff like he had been doing the year before, yeah. but like his whole look was just vaguely different. And I think what it was is his hair was just dry instead of wet <laughs> for a change.
1: So, obviously he had died and been replaced with an imposter. Yeah,
0: I don't know how you get there. Like how like, you could be like, oh, I guess a new person's portraying the Ultimate Warrior. Okay, that's fine. But I don't know how you get to the Ultimate Warrior died and rather than admit it, here replaced him with a new guy named Jeff. No? <laughs> no, they didn't. Yeah. <coughs> this Warrior return
1: is an incredible moment and a total shock. Yes. Um, I just completely out of nowhere he's back uh, he has not been seen since SummerSlam 91 when he chased the triangle of tear backstage with a chair ran back through the curtain and presumably just kept right on running <laughs> for months and
0: months he ran all the way ran, to indianapolis yeah
1: ran back through the curtain here and now he's back um they think they're getting him back for a big run i think they were gonna get the title to him doesn't end up happening as we covered in our survivor series 92 episode as he would get fired in the fall for getting hgh shipments
0: it's a shame that sid and warrior are who they are because <laughs> it yes like, it, is. it seems like this could be a moment where things change for the better for them like warrior makes a big comeback it's awesome sid is super hot It's kind of the the point where Hogan's going to kind of, you know, pass the torch and leave TV for a while. Like, it seems like a good opportunity for future business. Unfortunately, they're both gone immediately. And it's like, well, now we got nothing.
1: Yeah. And we get the new generation instead, which, I mean, I have some fond memories of, but overall, a very rough time for the company.
0: Very, very rough time.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, Warrior—it's it, it, a cool moment because his music starts to play for you know a good like 15 seconds before he actually comes out, so the anticipation really builds, and then he just sprints into the ring, uh, fires up with the clotheslines, crowd is going crazy, clotheslines sends Shango to the floor, Sid hits Warrior with a chair, but Hogan gets the chair away and runs <laughs> Sid off, and hogan warriors celebrate together as the show goes off the air um you know like we said feels like it should be a big moment for the warrior but this run ends up kind of going
0: nowhere i must piss hogan off to this day that like the guy who he gave the real rub to wound up being the warrior yeah (laughs) because like their careers were going to be inexorably linked like Hogan would have been able to live off of the warrior for years after that, just being like friends on TV and stuff like that, where he could have been off TV and just be there to support the warrior. Like that was his retirement plan was the guy he put over. He could always associate with. And instead that guy fucking fails like that must piss him off. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I think this is a really good show
0: i like it i really do like i I can't remember if i said it on the podcast or if i said to you beforehand but it really feels like somebody sobered up and booked this show after being completely off their ass for the first seven yeah like everything despite the fact all the changes that went into this show everything makes sense there's only nine or ten matches instead of 50 the wrestling is much much better it just makes sense more
1: yeah young guys are getting put over
0: Like, it's Um, it's exactly the way you're supposed to do it. I
1: think the problem is, like, what did they they leave themselves with coming out of it? And some of this is not really their fault. Like, you know, can't do anything about Jake quitting. Can't do anything about Sid being an unreliable asshole. Can't do anything about Hogan, you know, kind of reading the tea leaves that business is going downhill and wanting to disassociate himself from it. So, I mean, coming out of this, they've got, Flare chasing savage for the title, which is not a cult <laughs> program, and the absolutely historically terrible feud between Warrior and Papa Shango.
0: Yes, the one where he vomits black stuff.
1: Yes, the infamous vomiting segment. That's what happens when you let Warrior write TV for you.
0: And then, okay, so the following WrestleMania after this is historically garbage maybe the worst one ever that was why we covered it first (laughs) because i'm the only one on the planet earth who actually likes it but if they don't find yokozuna in the next year how fucked are they
1: yeah you try to imagine wrestlemania 9 without yokozuna and it's rough well the thing is what they should have done is just keep randy savage on top instead of deciding he's too like i think what happened is that his program with flair didn't draw because it was cold to have flair chasing him and that led vince to decide he's too old he can't draw anymore we have to retire him
0: is this so that should that have been savage versus brett
1: yeah definitely right
0: yeah i mean i or, think so
1: or brett against hogan the Hogan wasn't going to put Brett over.
0: Shit, Hogan won't even let himself not pin a guy Brett can't pin.
1: How much do you think it bothers Hogan that he never got his win back from Yokozuna?
0: I feel like somewhere deep in the recesses of his Tampa Bay home, Hulk Hogan has a notebook that lists every loss he's ever taken in his career, and he scratched out all the ones that he got back. And I think it might be very possible that Yokozuna is the only one that isn't scratched out. And it drives him insane.
1: Yeah. Th- these are the names he repeats to himself before he goes to sleep at
0: night. He goes to the cemetery and leg drops Yokozuna's grave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There is a story that he tried to get WCW to bring in. I mean, he got them to bring in the Warrior, but he also tried to get them to bring in Yokozuna. And it was like, "Yeah, t- Terry, we all know what you're after
0: here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we did
0: it. Just have him trip, fall, and I'll pin him in three. It's fine. I'll do it on Thunder."
1: <laughs> oh, he's keeping that torch, brother.
0: Oh my God
1: um so that that wraps up wrestlemania eight i think one of the more underrated wrestlemania is not really one that i think people think about but i think it's certainly one of the i mean of the first eight we've done i think it's one of the better ones
0: oh god yes and i'm actually happy to be finally be in the era where matches are consistently good even if it also is the era where stars aren't really a thing anymore but I'm really excited. Like next week, we're gonna do WrestleMania 10, and like I can't wait to cover WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, WrestleMania 10 is like a whole nother world. So, like we mentioned, we already did WrestleMania 9. That was a long time ago. We'll um oh we'll 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 repost that in the feed so people can um re-listen to the pilot episode of our podcast and keep the chronology proper. But yeah, our next new episode will be WrestleMania 10 with. All sorts of great things. Two absolute classic all time matches.
0: Man, we got Brett Owen. We got the ladder match. We got, oh, God. Yeah,
1: We've we got the derailment of the Lex Express.
0: That's exciting. How hilariously that goes. We can talk yeah. all about it.
1: Yeah. All kinds of great stuff to cover next week with WrestleMania 10.
0: Uh, oh, God. Yeah. It's going to be great.